Welcome back to another episode of the Turn 2 Podcast. We're on episode 8, guys. This is crazy. I'm look Tan- at us. Yeah, look at us. I'm Tanner. I'm your host. We've got Treasure and Justin back again to talk about most things baseball. We've gotten away from that a little bit. Uh, we really only talked baseball so far, but uh, yeah. we we do dabble in other things. So I don't know if you guys saw over the week. Really, it's been a week-long kind of scene going on in St. Louis. So as we know, we've I think we've talked about St. Louis before in this. Uh, they've been struggling a little bit. And right now they're 1725, yep. last place in the NL Central. They're struggling. For sure. Now, the interesting thing is their prize free agent, Wilson Contreras. The manager has come out a week ago and was like, hey, he's no longer catching. He's going to be a DH outfield only. And then all of a sudden, the next day, they're like, oh, just kidding. No outfield. He's going to be DH only. <laughs> and it's just weird. It's like the second weird thing that's happened with Oliver Marmol. Yeah. With Tyler O'Neill, And now this. And then a week later, I think it was Sunday, they're like, oh, yeah, no, he's full-time catcher now. And they keep flip-flopping back. It's just a weird I heard that weird in this, thing going on. I heard that in the series against the Sox that they were <laughs> talking about. They had like a whole segment where the Red Sox – New, like the guys were talking about it and it's so confusing it doesn't make any yeah, sense is. yeah and uh, it just seems like so there i think there's a couple different reasons so the pitching staff has been struggling mm-hmm. and so i think they're trying to blame it on the reason they're struggling is the connection with Contreras with the pitching staff which they're like yeah he needs to get better with the pitching staff he needs to get more comfortable with it how are you supposed to get comfortable if you're going to take them off that position? <laughs> right. Hey, you favorite. get comfortable by watching from the bench while they're in the field and UDH. That makes a lot of sense <laughs> to me. Yes. Yeah. So kind of the timeline of all of this. So on May 6th, that's when they came out and like, Contreras would no longer be catching, focusing mainly on DH. And then May 14th, they come out and like, yeah, no, he's full-time catcher. <laughs> <laughs> and then Marmola even said, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing him catch again. Like he has been out for months what because of an injury or something. And it's been like a week. It's been like a week. And it's like <laughs> you're the one that took him off. Right. And the changes are has nothing to do with him. You know, he's not sick or injured or a stomach bug. It's his fault. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking, because this is the first year that they've had without Yadier Molina. Oh yeah. And they're like, Well, you know, he hasn't performed up to the standards we hold our catchers. And I'm like, well, if you're holding them to Yandy or Molina, one of the best defensive catchers of all time. Who lives up to that? He's Yeah, he's not going to hit it. No one. So you got to either – he's either you're putting too much on him to where he's having trouble just making that connection or you're – I mean, the expectation just has to be incredible for him. Yeah. I, I'm a big believer in ownership. That is not taking ownership of the team. Yeah. <laughs> just and, blaming somebody else and taking them off and changing them around. Ugh. And when you think of the St. Louis Cardinals, you're not thinking like these are mistakes that you expect from like Oakland Athletics <laughs> or Detroit Tigers. <laughs> Detroit Tigers. Hey, you know, don't, don't like sleep that. on my Detroit Tigers pick now. <laughs> they haven't playing better, but still, they're still Detroit. <laughs> yeah, is you're not expecting this with the St. Louis Cardinals, and it's just been a one thing after another with them this year. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. They have been playing a little bit better as of late, but. To sit there and and make everything kind of public like that, it just seems like it's chaos. Actually, I have some takes on that a little bit later on, but... 
Uh, speaking of the NL Central, I uh, saw something last week about the uh, Cincinnati Reds came out with their City Connect uniforms, oh, yeah. and I gotta say, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I know there's mixed opinions in this audience, but I think they're really cool. They're all black uniforms, black shirts, black pants. It has Cincy written across the chest in red and white, and it almost looks like the way that the lining is, it looks like it's like kind of neon, which I think that's what they were going for. Um, and then the C, like the classic C is a more modern look now that's on the sleeve and the hats. So I think they're really cool. I think I really like how they're all black. I just feel like there's not a lot of all black yeah. uniforms. See, that, I mean, we talked about this before. That is kind of my, it's not my issue. I, I don't think they're terrible. There's certainly worse ones out there. But when you get, you can, I don't know what creative sphere they're allowed to work in. Straight black uniforms for a city connect, like just go wild. I'm, I mean, I'm not a Padres fan by what any means, but their colors they got going on there, you can't help but look at it and go, that's a little wild. That's kind of <laughs> crazy. I kind of <laughs> like that. But with the Cincy, it's just like, oh, I'm cool. They, well, they look cool. They exactly. just like, look fresh yeah. and clean. And it's not bad. I don't, I'm not hating on it, but it's it's not in my top five. Well, one of the things that the article says is that they're aiming to attract people from the younger generation. That and makes I th- sense. I think that they're accomplishing that. Okay, you're not younger generation, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I just got myself in trouble. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> For this team that is, it's such an old team that always is celebrating its history, this new uniform is looking more towards the future. Very good point. Very good point. Yeah, as a someone who's lived in Cincinnati majority of my life, their uniforms have been pretty, I don't know. Classic. Yeah. Yeah, stagnant. <laughs> Especially now. Yeah. Um, so any change is like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like, you, so, yeah. you, so you like Everybody's been to. I think they're going to be hot in the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all in a black, bad way. But I don't have to wear them, so I, I'm cool with it. Uh, yeah. You said you said it in a bad way. You said it in a bad way, like they were gonna. You like know, someone's gonna be. Oh, those are hot, bro. I not, like those. Yeah, not like. Oh, those are hot. They're no, like, he's no, using literal like actual sweating well, hot. Really gonna be hot in the summer. You're thinking so, younger generation. Oh, that's hot. <laughs> you will be. Yes, you will. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, for. For the Cincinnati Reds, I, I think they could have done a little bit more, but I think they didn't. They're not awful. So anytime yeah. I see a uniform that's not awful, I'm like, okay, that's a win. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, they're no Red Red Sox City those, Connect jerseys. Those are awful. They're terrible. Those are <laughs> <laughs> anyway, a couple of like cool things about these uniforms. The hats have the like more modernized C on it, and it has the red piping around the uh cap mm-hmm. i guess which is the only nod to their history because hmm. i think it said the 1919 hats had like the red piping around it that's pretty cool yeah um, when they did the uh field of dreams yes they had that style hat oh cool where yeah. it was i guess there was red piping i didn't really look much into it but <laughs> <laughs> i think it that. was yeah it was during that era so it's supposed to be styled after that i think that's pretty neat going back to the heritage which i mean history. it's the reds I, <laughs> first professional baseball team they're all going to make some yeah. classic statement 
yeah. on there. You guys are going to laugh at this one because I laughed at it. The pants have five thin red stripes that run down the leg. Okay. <laughs> that Nike says represents, quote, moving forward and lighting the way to what comes next. <laughs> what? Okay. Lighting the way? <laughs> What's coming next? You're hopefully... What, getting a hit? <laughs> getting on second? <laughs> Going to third? I was like, or? all right, that's a little cheesy, but... <laughs> yeah, it's, that's pretty cheese. The inside of the collar says Juncta Javant, which is the city's Latin motto, which means strength and unity. That's cool. Pretty cool. And I've never heard that in my life <laughs> growing up in Cincinnati, so I, I was... When I saw that, I was like... Oh, we have that. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. It's, it's funny because when I when I sent when I sent this in our group message, I forgot that like you grew up there. So <laughs> that's a hilarious take. You're yeah, just like, oh, really? That's the motto, <laughs> and we had to make it in Latin when no yeah. one knows it in English. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and I, recently I found out Cincinnati has their, their own flag. Like the city of Cincinnati has their own flag. <laughs> really? And their own logo. And I thought the sea was gonna be. It's like a wave. It's like for the river, the wave, it seems like that's where I think the inspiration came from. Interesting. But the sea, I thought they were going in that direction. I don't think that was the idea. I think it just happens to kind of look like each other yeah. in a way. Yeah. But I was expecting like them to come out with this big fancy announcement like the sea represents the city of Cincinnati's logo. And I'm like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see anything about that. So I don't know if that was true or not. I think some of the teams that then they come out with, I think – they should learn the term that Dwight Schrute coined. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> Don't overthink it. I, I mean, great on them for trying something different. Not necessarily Cincinnati, but uh, Texas just recently came out with theirs. And it's really hard to understand what direction they're going. Like, what are, are we trying to be fun? Are we trying to, like, show history? Or what, what's going on? Like, I just wish someone would go out there like the Savannah Bananas and just wear like a, a tuxedo T-shirt or something like that. Like that would be <laughs> hilarious, you know. Maybe wouldn't happen. Got to keep it professional, though. Yeah. Well, uh, well, speaking of professional, you mentioned Cincinnati a few years ago. They went sleeveless. And yeah. And the the I thought I thought it was gonna be sleeveless when they announced it. They could have. Like, they, they're doing sleeveless. And it's so hilarious. These guys that were there were like curling, you know, fifty pounds in between innings, so they looked jacked in between when they go out in the field, and they were they looked huge as you know as baseball players. So they could have easily went that direction as well. That'd be hilarious. But I, I guess I don't know. Maybe I'm not understanding City Connect <laughs> quite properly, but some of them are just very confusing in how to understand yeah. it. So I don't hate Cincinnati's new thing. Well, I think I mean, they're awesome. It's just yeah. It's just, Overall, uh, I think some have been like the Seattle Mariners. I thought those are cool. Yeah, I agree. And then like the Texas one, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how. It's to hard to read. That. Yeah. And then you get the Diamondbacks, like, oh, Diamondbacks, that's pretty nice. Yeah. And then you get Boston, and you're like, I don't I guess I don't understand that one either. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> so it's, Boston I don't, fans, I'm embarrassed about that one, but people love it. I don't get it. Yeah. And then, like, the Angels ones, it was, like, very basic. And it was, like, I'm pretty sure that's just your same jersey with, like, a diamond in those yeah. numbers. That's the most, like, least thought out one. It's, like, someone goes, oh, that's that report's due in 10 minutes? Oh, here is a box. Just go for it. <laughs> what? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me. but. Well, I think they're pretty cool. <laughs> and um, the Reds are going to wear their City Connect uniforms every Friday home game. This year or next year? This year. They wore them for the first time this past Friday. Their series against the Yankees. Speaking of Yankees. Yeah, speaking of the Yankees, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with them. 
the past couple of days. I never tried. So to, they're Justin. coming off. I mean, yeah, I haven't really, but something has caught my eye. So coming off of a split series against the Rays, they're now going to a game against the Blue Jays. And there's a lot of things going on. So really to start off, it started on yesterday's game, which would have been on Monday the 15th would have been that game. Uh, Aaron Judge had two home runs in the same game. His first home run, no issues. It was the second one that caught apparently the Blue Jays announcers' eyes. So I guess how it started, (laughs) there was a bad called strike on Aaron Judge a couple pitches before. And Boone comes out, gets ejected. So naturally, as the Yankees do, they're complaining. They're yelling (laughs) from the dugout. And so during the at-bat, I guess Judge looked over because they'd slowed it down right in his face and saw his eyes go to the dugout. And they're like, oh, he's tipping. He's, he's getting, they're cheating. They're, they're giving him some signs. They're doing something. The next pitch, he just hits it like 450 feet oh. all the way down. That pitch, by the way, was a terrible pitch. It was right down the middle. Mm. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. He didn't need a cheat for that one. But <laughs> the Blue Jays are they're coming out. They're saying, you know, we don't know what that was. We're going to look into it. Hopefully, it doesn't turn into anything. And one thing that they were arguing or taking kind of a stance on it was how their coaches were not in the box, which I don't know if anybody's noticed that before, but none of the coaches, first first or third base coach, are in the little designated box. Yeah. It's, I don't even know why it's a it thing even, anymore. Shouldn't even be there. No one's there. Yeah. So tonight has been a little bit – uh. A little feisty. Has it? <laughs> On both sides, yes. So to start out, the uh, Blue Jays are now really particular in where the Yankees uh, coaches stand. So John Snyder, the, the manager for the Blue Jays, was arguing and yelling at the third base coach to get inside the box because he was outside of the box. Oh. So <laughs> a little bit later on in the game, I saw Aaron Boone, the, the Blue Jays coach, was out of the box. He is now telling them, hey, he's got to be in the box. If you're going to make our guy in the box, he's got to be in the box. Goodness. So this is back and forth. Both managers are yelling across the diamond to each other. And I was like, man, these, to me, Boone and John Schneider, pretty much the same guy. They just keep going back and forth. They keep egging each other on. And then to put it, <laughs> and then something just out of left field, German is pitching tonight. Mm-hmm. It's ejected for illegal substances and oh he's taken word. out of the game <laughs> oh my goodness so now the blue jays like yeah we knew that we knew they were cheating <laughs> the blue- sherlock <laughs> holmes like, whoa, over whoa, there whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so it's been a crazy series so far it's only, i think it's only been two games so far but a lot has happened <laughs> a lot like of uh, finger pointing uh but that's probably started from the comments made earlier in the year by guerrero oh, yeah. and but still, I, I I did see what you were talking about with the judge in the side eye. That's going to be a meme. That, that's hilarious. Oh, I don't yeah. know what he's doing, but he doesn't move his head at all. And yeah, he's I'm just... I'm trying to find his quote. I heard... He was blaming on... He blamed it on someone in the dugout was chirping. Yeah. And he wanted to see who yeah. it was. His quote was, there was a lot of chirping from our dugout, which I didn't really like in the situation where it's a 6-0 game. And uh, Boone just got tossed. I, and then I, he was trying to be like, hey, guys, don't yell. I'm like, okay. You, I don't think you're trying to, like, in the middle of your bat, be like, hey, time out, ump. 
hey guys settle down <laughs> i think you're focusing on the bad he heard someone say something and looked over yeah it's my thing yeah i it's odd so i'm definitely not a yankees fan whatsoever but aaron judge i have respect for and how he plays the game so i hope there's nothing going on there for him for the organization i really don't care the, just the comments are a little bit odd afterward like my teammate like if someone makes a loud noise next to you you're going to turn and look usually yeah yeah know. but right in the middle of your bat yeah i would go i would look over and be like what are you doing i'm trying to swing over here or something <laughs> like i mean i've never been in a professional setting like that but <laughs> you know if that was the case i would i don't think i would like just look with my eyes over like my i don't know i don't know his rhythm so it could be different but it was odd yeah. for sure Honestly, it just seems like the Blue Jays are, I don't know. I don't think they're, they're not directly accusing them of cheating, but they're not saying that they're not cheating. <laughs> you know? They're sussing them a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I don't know what's going on over there, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely an odd thing. Hopefully they come out with more on that, and maybe it's not even a big deal. But um, speaking kind of to that of weird things, we had um, the past couple of days, I'm not sure how long ago, we had the Dodgers taking on the Brewers. That's not that weird. Um, but what is odd, and I looked into this pretty deep, we have a weird haunting story here, guys. So in Milwaukee, apparently there's this rumor going around that the hotel is haunted. And star player for the Dodgers, Mookie Betts, got an Airbnb instead of staying in that hotel. And here is a little piece of the story. Uh, this is from a news outlet in uh, Milwaukee. It said, while the rest of the club stayed at the historic Fister Hotel in downtown Milwaukee, Mookie Betts opted to stay in an Airbnb. Why? Because the hotel is notoriously known among big leaguers for being haunted. His quote is, it was a good excuse not to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he told uh, a uh, Orange County Register, Bill Plunkett, he said, essentially to the team, you can tell me what happens after. I just don't want to find out for myself if it's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> and he said later on, he said, every noise, I'd be like, is that something? So he wasn't necessarily too frightened. He just heard the stories. So I, I and he, dove. And he was like, I'm not about to have any part of that. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't want to do with he anything. He wants a good night's sleep. Yeah. He wants yeah. a good rest. And you know, I respect that. It makes a lot of sense. But I looked into this more, and this story actually came out, I believe it was in um, October of 2020 it started but then it changed in the 21 so this is kind of an ongoing thing for years but there's multiple players in this article from mlb.com so one player in particular is gonna, i'm going to name a few this is bryce harper's account on the fister hotel the 2015 nl mvp award winner he's probably the biggest name to have come forward with a, a tale from the fister he said while staying there in 2012 he had laid his shirt and pants out on a table by the end of the bed before going to sleep that night. Quote, when I woke up in the morning, I swear on everything, the clothes were on the floor and the table was on the opposite side of the room against the wall, Harper said. I was so flustered, I honestly thought there might be someone in my room. I had no idea what the heck happened. So I actually looked around the room and checked to see if the door was latched, locked, and it was. Ah, no, thank you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Harper I mean, thought at least it didn't disrupt his sleep. That's what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just it's my man. big thing. It's yeah, like, you can haunt me, just don't wake me up. Right. <laughs> Harper thought that perhaps it was a pl prank from a teammate, but no one came forward. 
the slugger then requested to be moved to a different room. <laughs> different <laughs> so, room? Yeah. Give me a different building. Oh, it, it gets better. It gets better. So Carlos Gomez, very notorious uh, to <laughs> baseball fans in the early 2000s. Uh, Gomez was one of the most interesting men in baseball, and that extended to when he was in the hotel. Uh, Gomez said he heard voices while staying in the Fister, with the worst thing happening when he got out of the shower one year and heard static playing on his iPod. So he grabbed the device, which then changed to another song. He then ran out of the room and into the lobby before putting his pants on. <laughs> and he said, in a quote, I'm scared to go there. They should change the hotel. Everybody here doesn't like the hotel. Why do they always put us in the same hotel when you can't sleep? Everything's scary. Everything in the hotel. The paintings, the pictures. It's a lot of old, crazy stuff. No. No, man. No good. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got a point, though. <laughs> like, if it's that bad and, like, players are freaked out about it, why do you keep booking them in there? Yeah. For real. For real. It goes on. G-Man Choi, another one. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> said uh, in 2016 he was a part of the Angels and went there. And though he said his sleep was not good because of the restless spirit, he also said he feels comfortable when ghosts are present. He said, I was scared at first, <laughs> Choi said, so I didn't want to open my eyes. <laughs> I dealt with that a lot more times after that. So it wasn't the first time. He just, every time, closed his eyes. Nope, nope. Yeah. it's not there. If I don't see it, it's cool. I kind of imagine him as when you're a kid and you put the cheat over your head. Mm -hmm. I imagine that's him. So he's not getting good sleep. So another story came out about Colby Lewis, but was shared by a teammate, C.J. Wilson. According to Wilson... Lewis claims to have told him that he saw a skeletal apparition in his room around 1.30 in the morning, and it freaked Lewis out so much that he saw the team chaplain the next morning and missed a radio appearance the next day. It freaked oh him out goodness. so bad. Um, a couple more here, because these are big names. I mean, prestigious name, Michael Young. So plenty of baseball players have ghost stories from the hotel. Apparently this is the best one from former Rangers infielder. <laughs> Okay. It, it, and the reason why is not necessarily because of the nature of what he claims is because he is just always said I'm not making this up here's a quote it says listen I'm not someone who spreads ghost stories so if I'm telling you this this it happened a couple of years ago I was lying in bed after a night game and I was out my room was locked but I heard these footsteps inside my room stomping around I'd heard all these stories about this hotel so I was wide awake at that point and then I, I heard it again these footsteps on the floor, so I yelled out, hey, make yourself at home, hang out, have a seat, but don't wake me up, okay? After that, I didn't hear a thing for the rest of the night. I just let him know he was he was welcome, that we could be pals, that he could <laughs> marinate in there as long as he needed, just as long as he didn't wake me up. Though he only played seven games in Milwaukee in his career, um, and that didn't affect him too bad because he he hit really well in Milwaukee but uh, or Miller Park, but... Uh, that was one of the more well-known stories. Crazy. But another one that is a little bit odd is John Gray, who's currently pitching for the Rangers. This story says, of course, we must uh, wrap up with John Gray. He's Major League Baseball's resident ghost hunter, apparently. <laughs> Gray became... What a title. <laughs> yeah. Gray became fascinated with the paranormal after he saw a ghost in his bedroom as a child. So in 2016, he actually investigated the Fister Hotel. There's a okay. video on this. I don't know what came of it, but he walked around with some devices and stuff like that. So 
we've got a, some weird stories going on in Milwaukee in the Fister Hotel. I want to do kind of I want to look more into this because we've actually Treasure and I have heard of this uh, in Tampa. Uh, there's the uh, is it the Vinoy? Okay. Yeah. So the Vinoy Hotel is where they stay at, and we heard after we got married we stayed there, and we heard from staff there that some teams refused to stay there because they believed it was haunted. We heard kind of back and forth stories, but apparently this Fister Hotel is very um, <laughs> infamous for this. But there's some funny uh, other stories, and there's other players, there's other you know old players that had this happen to them. Those are just kind of the top ones that I looked at. But apparently it's haunted. That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, I think I've heard that before. I think from G Man Troy. <laughs> yeah, but he's also a character, so like, yeah, I'm like, are you playing this up or are you just like? Is this real? Yeah. I mean, you it's never really hard to tell with them. You never really know. Um, so that's kind of my spooky wrap up uh, into that one. That's something that's I think we should get into something that's not as spooky, you know, not to leave our guests kind of on the, you know, the, the scared. note. I think you're a little scared over there, Trish. But yeah, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> <but thanks. laughs> uh, so what we want to do, we did the playoff picks early uh, in a few pod. I think it was the second or third podcast we did. Uh, playoff picks but we're gonna justin and i are actually gonna do some mvp picks and we're gonna kind of wrap it into the last segment of the show into a bold claims uh segment so justin let me get your al mvp first and then i'll do mine and then you do the nl and then i'll do mine so give me your al mvp not right, be completely unbiased. It's gonna be biased. Uh, it's Wander Franco for me. <laughs> <laughs> i thought about it was for me it's between him uh marcus simeon Shohei Otani is like the big three right now. And I was like, I got to get it to my guy. <laughs> I got to get it to him. Yeah, I mean, obviously um, you want to hope for it for sure. Yeah. The reason, I mean, he's healthy for the first time. I mean, last year just never really got off to a healthy start. He's finally healthy again. Batting over 300. He's got the power right now with seven home runs. The big thing with him, though, is the stolen bases. These new rules have really helped him. He already has 12 stolen bases. And he also has 15 doubles. So, really, I was between, like, how important is Wander to that lineup? Yeah. And right now, he's setting up. He's setting up everybody. Yandy, I mean, Yandy Diaz bats in front of him. Typically, Brandon Lau or Randy Rosarena right behind him. Randy's going off. Brandon Lau's been struggling. Mm-hmm. But when he starts going off, Wander's is going to keep rounding the bases, scoring for them. I don't think he's going to be a big RBI guy, but mm-hmm. in terms of his defense – his speed, his ability just to make contact with the ball and get on base is to the point where he's the most valuable player yeah. on the Rays, which are the best team right now, so therefore the best player on that team. That's <laughs> why so I'm going with Wander Franco. I respect it. I respect it. I, I was going to go in the Wander Franco thing. I think I, I we have to mention Otani. Now, I'm not picking Otani, but – Otani should be there just because of uh, the other day he passed Babe Ruth in strikeouts, which mm-hmm. is you know crazy when you think about a two-way player being able to do that and to hit at the level he's hitting. Um, so obviously Otani's going to be in the conversation. But now, I pick- do you think Otani's expectations? Because right now the expectation for him is to be su- not just a superstar, but superstar on both sides. Yeah, and that could it- the expectations for him is a lot higher than. You know, Marcus Simeon. Yeah, I mean, it could hurt him, but even so, like a dominant pitcher is going to be in the three ERA. I think if he still pitches, you know, he gives 
a good amount of innings and he's you know in the the high threes low fours and he's batting 270 280 Mm -hmm. I I, it's also difficult too because you think of MVP you think of what that means for the team angels are not stacked they should build around more they just have players that haven't really showed up so he can prove to be an MVP for that team a little bit easier than a really good team Uh, that's why I I like your wander pick because he is standing out amongst guys who are really standing out overall he doesn't really have to do that, but I just think that playing both sides of the ball, um, not perfectly, but extremely well, makes him separate. So I'm still not going to pick him because I don't want to you know, make it boring. So my non-Otani, if Otani doesn't exist, mine's a little bit out there. A guy who's kind of cruised under the radar for years. Always, you know, it's not necessarily his team. It's always been thought of Guerrero's team. I'm going Bo Bichette. Okay, I had him. Um... I did like top five. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I had him at number four. Did you? I I just think that he's so smooth a player. He plays well in the field. Uh, You know, Matt Chapman's also in the race there at third base. Mm -hmm. I mean, if those guys can keep playing at a decent level, they still have to pick it up a little bit. They're struggling in the pitching as well. But I think Bo Bichette could bring it together. And if he starts ripping home runs like he can, if he starts getting on base and getting those extra base hits, I think he's got can he, he could be considered for it for sure. He's got he's batting 326, eight home runs, 28 RBIs on a team that is not performing up to standard, but he's still kind of shining. Uh, and I think what separates him from someone like Guerrero is the speed aspect of it. And he doesn't have a lot of stolen bases at all, but if he wants to turn it into a double, he can where Guerrero's really going to have to <laughs> he's going to turn on the Jets <laughs> a little bit. So that is my AL MVP pick is Bo Bichette. Yeah, I like it. Um to me, Bichette is probably honestly, I think he's the most important piece. Yeah. On that offense. This offense isn't as good. He's kind of like the Wander Franco for that team. Yeah. Like he's not going to get the RBIs. He's probably not going to lead the team in home runs, but he's mm-hmm. going to get on base. Yeah. He's led the league and hits the past two years. He's on that way of doing it again. Yeah. Or at least being in that conversation. Mm-hmm. So he's an on base machine, setting up the guys behind him. And if he goes off, if he does well, Guerrero, Chapman, they're going to go well. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. Like Definitely. So, yeah, my uh, my NL pick. That's going to be out there. It's going to be Luis Araza. I think I pronounced his name right. Okay. For the Marlins. Yes. Now, the reason he's a hitting machine. He is. He's a hitting machine. The guy's batting. I mean, he was batting 382 when I pulled his numbers. Not that great in home runs and RBIs. Yeah. But he's a hitting machine. He really That's, is. He doesn't get a lot of help from people <laughs> around him. But I think I was looking at the NL. To me, I think there's another guy. I think I'm pro- I probably picked him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's one guy that's standing out <laughs> in terms of everybody else. He's probably should have picked him, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> so I'll go with Luis. Uh, and I mean, it is. The NL to me is a wide open race. There's not a lot of guys separating themselves. So if the Marlins start picking up a couple games here, start getting a little competitive, I mean, he's the best player, contact machine. Yeah, I mean, the best player on that team is definitely him. And if if they can turn that around, I could could see it. I I looked at him as well, uh, but it was just tough with the other numbers involved that – He's getting no help. Well, I'm just saying, if he bats 400, try not to give him MVP. For real. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I understand the direction there. I had to go basic on this one. Everybody's looking at this guy. Yeah. The only other person is his teammate that's kind of in the conversation as well, Sean Murphy. <laughs> but 
Acuna is yeah. I mean, Acuna is just on a whole nother level. And the only question mark is health. Mm-hmm. But this dude is playing out of his shoes. He's batting 344, nine home runs, 25 RBIs, 17 stolen bases. His OPS is 1.018. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So I got to pick him. I think he's just going to continue to turn it up. I think he's going to, I, I think he's going to try to go 40 40. Uh, you know, forty home runs, forty stolen bases. Um, I think he's gonna do it. Yeah, I think he's got. got a, he's got a good chance. He's got, he's a good, got fifteen something stolen bases. He's leading everything, just yeah. crushing it. It's hard I not mean, to look at him. Sean Murphy's it, playing well, though. Uh, Sean Murphy's playing well. I just don't know if you know that position. You don't hear very many catchers getting MVP like, often. How often is he going to be playing? You know, Acuna's playing every day. Yeah, for sure. You can't rely on a catcher playing 162. Yeah, especially so with Travis Darno he, being there, you know? Yeah. So there's going to be some days where he's going to be at least DH, mm-hmm. probably some days where he's going to get completely off because it's just a physically demanding position. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's been good. I mean, some other guys I had was Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldsmith, kind of the boring <laughs> guys that are always in there. It's hard uh, not to keep it. It's hard to – make it interesting but when you think of it you know all, all these guys are professionals you know whether they play 162 or they play five games mad respect for them but you have these guys that are on a different level and you're just like of these 30 guys who's the top right now because you can think i mean in the beginning of the year i always think nolan arenado is going to be in it he hasn't had a great season so far but then you have guys like paul goldschmidt who's always decent and then last year he pops off so there's a tier list in amongst baseball and the professionals and at this moment right now, for me, on the NL side, at least, it's not even close. Acuna's just at the top for me. Yeah, I, I would agree, but man, he's I, almost bad 400. Yeah. Yeah, I'm proud of you for go, going out there. I, I, I would have picked the out there pick. Your pick probably would have been someone from, like, the Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I guess that's not a... I guess they can't... I guess the Pirates can't be a punching bag anymore. Um, so those are our picks for the MVP... At this point in the season, another area we want to roll into is bold claims. Now, I, you and I may have the same one, Justin, and that's okay. So I'm going to start with Treasure's bold claim. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> the Dodgers will make the World Series but lose it in four games. Oh, man. It's swept. Sweet. Can you go further on that bold claim and see, tell me who's going to be in there with them? Or I no? thought you were going to ask me that. No, I can't. Okay, you don't want to go that far. Okay. <laughs> Justin, let's go next with your bold claim. So I have two two of them. First one I have, the Houston Astros will not make the playoffs. Wow. Now, here's my reasoning. So I don't think they're going to win their division. So that's already going to hurt them right there. So that leaves sure. the three wild card spots. I am pretty confident two of the, of the three are going to be an AL East team. Absolutely. And then I still got to go with my Mariners <laughs> for that third one. So I will say at minimum, there will probably be three AL East teams in yeah. there. But I'm going to sneak the Mariners in there. I still believe. I believe in them. Maybe that's my hot take, too. <laughs> Mariners will still somehow figure this thing out. Yeah. But they've been dealing with injuries. They have a whole bunch of pitching injuries right now. They don't have Verlander to rely on. And honestly, outside of... Alvarez and Tucker has been kind of an underwhelming offense as well for them. I think this is the year where we won't see Houston in the playoffs. 
I mean, that's it's definitely a bold take, but I, I understand it now that the season started, for sure. My bold take to this point in the season, it's not really bold. We actually kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I thought of this a couple of weeks ago before they even got on the run they are, but Oliver Marmol will get fired by the Cardinals yep. by the end of June. <laughs> And the Cardinals will actually turn it around, make the playoffs. That's what I'm, I'm I'm going the Phillies route. I'm doing exactly what the Phillies did essentially last year, getting rid of Girardi. Currently, they're last in the division. They are on a four-win streak, though. They're, they're, this is how bad their season's going. They're on a four-game win streak, and they're still a game and a half back behind Cincinnati. Yeah. They're six and a half games behind Milwaukee. I believe they're playing Milwaukee now. But I think Oliver Marmol has lost that. That crew, I think they've lost the dugout, blaming things. Tyler O'Neill, Wilson Contreras, uh, blaming things on what, you know, putting things in the public eye. Just don't need to be there. If your team's struggling, keep it in-house. I just think he's gone. I'm going to be honest with you. That was my second one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean. Marmol getting fired, and then they turn it around. Oh, is it? Yeah. I mean, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's hard to look at them and say, like, oh, this team's bad. I don't think they're bad. I just think that a few pieces are not in place and things are shook up and things just aren't meshing well. And you see that with teams that they have star power. They're just not putting it together. And I think that's exactly what this is in this in this um, scenario. And I think Marmol's gone. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying all that stuff. I just think for the locker room and I think for the pieces that he has, whether he's lost respect, I, I don't know. I don't know what he's lost over there, but he's losing something. And he's losing a lot of baseball games because of it. So that's my bold take. I mean, yeah, they're going to have to – I think they have to fire him. Yeah, they got to get rid of There's him. There's no way he can keep going in that locker room and keep yeah. doing all the things he's doing, and for especially a veteran-led locker yeah. room like they have. At some point, it's got to be too much, and they're going to have to get rid of him, get someone that's going to mesh with the team. And you get Aaron uh, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldsmith, you get them feeling good. The rest of the team is going to feel good. Absolutely. And the next thing you know, they're – in the wild card. Absolutely. I, I even think to take the, the claim even further, I think even if Marmol makes it to the playoffs and squeaks a wild card with this team, I still think he's gone still by the end of the year. Yeah. yeah, I still think he's gone. <laughs> just just because of the – it seems like the culture he's creating there is just it's, – it's toxic. You can't have a conversation. You know, you have a problem. Someone makes a mistake and you're going to put them on blast. Yeah. Like, come on, go I handle mean, that in-house. I think in if, they, if they make the playoffs, it just delays the inevitable their decision. Yeah. At, at some point, he just doesn't. He's, I don't know. You can't, you can't be calling out your players yeah. to the public. You can't be taking guys off position and a week later being like, "Oh yeah, I was really hoping." <laughs> can't wait, can't wait to wait to see back. this guy yeah. to come back. And it's like, dude, whatever. Yeah. At some point, they're gonna see through that, and I think you're really, lose them. I think really good players and winning a lot of games doesn't overshadow bad coaching and bad tactics and and bad leadership and. Um, I just don't think for this position he's right because uh, the Cardinals are so they're just such a prestigious organization. You need someone there, it's stability that you think of, and that's what you see with teams like the Dodgers. Even uh, there was some question marks with the Red Sox uh, with the scandal and stuff with Houston, with Alex Cora, but since he's been there, even with bad teams, you feel good about it. Kevin Cash, got to give a shout-out to Kevin Cash when he came in. He's a nobody. He's made that solid for himself, and he dethroned you know an epic coach in Joe Madden. Um, you just see these teams that struggle that have good ones. Another shout-out to a bad team, White Sox. I don't think they have an extremely um, solid manager that they can lean on. You see what Dusty Baker did with Houston even after they had the big scandal go down. So hopefully they get somebody in there. If they do let him go, which I think they will, 
that will calm that organization down to get the veterans back on their side so the veterans can bring up young you know, guys and let them play well and have fun at baseball. When you send a guy, and I'm still upset too, you send a guy like Jordan Walker down who's not playing bad yeah. for no reason, what are you doing? Let him play. You're already, you're already in last place. Let him play. So that is the bold claims that we have uh, to this point of the season. Maybe we'll revisit this in a couple months. And, and look at our bold claims and see where we're see at. See how they're progressing. Yeah. I mean, we won't know your bold pick until we get to the, the actual playoffs, <laughs> yeah. but we will see how this uh, actually transpires. So uh, that's going to do it here for another episode of the Turn 2 Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We will catch you on the next one. See you All later. Right. See you.